Think about that. Mm. If every person on the planet took one one specific relationship, one month a year, right? And went through and evolved that relationship, what would business look like? What would our planet look like? Wouldn't there be more recycling? What would relationships look like if people really worked on it in that way? No, that, if, anyway, if, so, even yeah. if we could, the one relationship, even if we could get the awareness and the noticing and the understanding that one relationship you could improve will change everything, it's with ourselves. It's our own relationship. It's a relationship with who I am. Am I comfortable in my skin? Do I beat myself up or do I give myself grace? So that relationship with ourselves is probably the first place to start. Welcome to The New Beyond, a podcast that invites listeners to learn how to not only think outside the box, but learn how to live outside it. The New Beyond is a place in consciousness that lies beyond ideas of normal and abnormal. It's a place where the new comfort zone has much more to do with your willingness to play big and be uncomfortable while you're learning how to navigate this brave new world. Hello, I'm Dr. Judith Rich, an octogenarian, coach, and author of the best-selling book, Beyond the Box. I've spent nearly five decades in the field of transformation, coaching people all over the world how to identify and break through old patterns and limiting beliefs that have kept them stuck and challenged to move their lives in the direction of what matters most. In this podcast, we'll hear from some interesting people in the field of transformation and others who, by example, are courageously tearing down old walls, reinventing themselves, and building their lives in the new beyond. And I'll be adding some personal perspective and hopefully some wisdom and insight as we go. So let's dive in as we begin an adventure in going beyond where you think you can go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The New Beyond. I'm Judith Rich. I'm absolutely delighted to introduce you to my guests today. Yes, multiple. My guests are Ken Ashby and Maris Siegel, who are just out with a brand new book, just hot off the presses yesterday, called The R Factor, Four Universal Rhythms for Mastering Connected Relationships. And let me tell you about Ken and Maris. Ken Ashby and Maris Siegel coach and consult with executives, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and rising leaders to bring their professional, personal, and philanthropic vision to life and build peak performing teams. Spanning four decades and 40 countries, marketing skills with head and heart leadership to build meaningful connections and impactful strategies that drive their clients' internal and external success. The R Factor Four Universal Rhythms for Leading Prosperous Relationships sits at the core of their business and personal leadership work. As certified executive and relationship coaches, this dynamic duo also leverages Ken's international award-winning singer-songwriter gifts to develop collaborative teams with a songwriting workshop series. We're going to get a little taste of that at the end. Spoiler alert, 
from boardroom. Listen to this, you guys, from boardrooms and classrooms to Harvard, the Olympics, the White House, and Super Bowl halftimes. There's a story there. I want to hear about it. Ken and Maris are also known for uniting diverse populations with innovative cross-cultural marketing and personal development programs that bring a creative voice to issues. In just the past two years, as authors, they've been featured in 13 Amazon best-selling leadership-centered books and recently spoke on a TEDx stage. Their new book, The R Factor, is now available as of yesterday on Amazon. Ken and Maris live by the philosophy that, quote, we are all connected as humans first, and that's where the bottom line begins. Wow. (coughs) Ken and Maris, welcome to the new beyond. I'm so delighted to have you here. We're, we are thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be here. And honestly, just at the core, the name of your podcast, which obviously goes after your great book, we love it because we just keep seeing into the future and keep reaching towards possibilities. So I love it. I love that title. Well, it's so great to be here with you, Judith. And um, just just acknowledge you for the work you're doing in spreading these great ideas that many, many people have. And the more people that that have great ideas, the better. Oh, I couldn't agree more. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I'm curious, what motivated slash inspired you to write this book? And who is the book written for? So I can, so the, uh, I'll start. So this is, this is as typical. So Ken and I start and then each other, we finish each other's sentences. Beautiful. Uh, the, so the, the R factor is, the R factor is relationships are a factor impacting and influencing every aspect of our lives, personal, professional, planetary, right? So I think for years, people used to ask Ken and I who worked, we've been working together nearly as long as we're together. So we're almost together now 20 years. We're married 15. And people ask us all the time, how do you guys work together, have this amazing romantic thing going on without killing each other, working together, and still have a personal life? And And when Maris says working together, literally 24-7, we manage huge projects together all over the globe uh, and been in each other's pockets, really working as Partners, partners all the time. That's it's amazing so experience. It, it, amazing. It's, an, it's an incredible gift. And what was interesting to us is over the years, literally, Judith, when I tell you, there isn't one person who's met us who then finds out we work together who has not asked that question, including governors, presidents, celebrities. It's hysterical. We just think we, we've laughed about it over the years. So we didn't want to analyze it for the longest time. Me, of course, because I'm a little more the type A, and I was afraid we'd break it. <laughs> so I didn't want to analyze it. <laughs> I just thought, no, no. And we had an opportunity many years ago to be a, to be in a feature in a large scale magazine as couples working together and living together. And I said, no, because I let my fear get in the way. And it was a big eye opener. So that actually was the impetus for this book, because what we realized was we kind of set out on this exploration of discovery and said, okay, we have something really special. Is what we have so unique 
or are other people who are thriving and prospering also aligned in some of these key elements that we identified work for us, which is respect, responsibility, reframing, and resilience. So we set out on this mission to really explore with our clients if those were rhythms that worked for them. So we've always known there's this rhythm that works between us, this connection. And we wondered if other people experienced the same four. And that was that was the impetus for that. And I think that being a singer-songwriter, I understand rhythm. I get it. I get the idea of rhythm. And that once we started looking at it, we realized that we have all these rhythms in our relationships and that that relationships operate on this rhythmic pattern, just like the circadian rhythm, just like so many other rhythms we have in the world, in the planet. And so we felt that there is a rhythm and that's important to bring forward. And the other thing we realized is that relationships, one of the key motivators was that really maybe understanding that relationships are crucial to every aspect of our lives is the evolution that we as humans get to go through. We get to recognize that we are connected, recognize that we are in relationship with everyone. The pandemic, I think, was also another big, the, as Maris calls it, the pandemic pause, uh, was also another another highlighting thing. When I saw this picture of kids, young kids, they all had masks on, all different cultures and colors, and they all had masks on with the flag of their country. And it struck me like that, wow, going through what we're experiencing now in March of 2020, uh, how can we look at the world and say we're not connected? We are all connected mm -hmm. everywhere. And so that was a big motivator for us, I think, as well. Oh, gosh. I, you know, I was just as you were, both of you, as each of you were sharing just now, I was experiencing a dance mm. that how you dance with one another, you know, you dance in, you dance out, you come in, you come out of the conversation of the flow of the energy, you know, and I've always thought of relationship as a kind of dance. Mm. And so, you know, I think that aligns with what you're talking about with the rhythms and then um, I, I love what you just said about the pandemic and how our experience was, and I'm not sure if it still is, but certainly how we all went to our corners, you know, we all went to our respective corners. We were physically separated from one another. And through that experience, it seems to me, that our yearning to be connected became came to the forefront that we realized how much connection is a part of the human experience. And when that got taken away, it became this gigantic missing piece in all of our lives. And so here we are, you know, on Zoom, everything, we found ways to be connected, didn't we? Yeah, for, for, for sure. And I, and I love that you called that forward because so people started calling us America's master connectors because we, we have said all along that every relationship begins with a connection. 
And before that, every relationship begins with a desire. And whether or not you're talking about a personal romantic relationship or a relationship professionally with your teams or a relationship with the car guy I'm about to buy a car from, it all starts with desire and then a connection, right? And then from there, we either build trust or don't, as we know, right? And we create from there. So when we looked at the these four universal rhythms, we looked at them across business, personal, and planet. And we said, you know what? This is interesting. For years, we have all talked about having a balanced life. My business life is over there. My personal life is over here. My community life is over here. And what we really recognized as the pandemic pause hit was we have one life, one body, one planet. We choose our relationship rhythms every single day. We choose how we're going to wake up either in gratitude or in a bad mood. So the rhythm starts from the time we wake up in the morning when the alarm clock goes off. Something's always in relationship. We're always in connection. But making those meaningful and bringing them down to core of succeeding and thriving in your business, in your personal life, in your love life, in all of these areas, it just, it, it seems fairly simplistic, but the connection piece is so powerful. And, and the, the interest and the want, the hunger to feel belonging, that connection, right? Absolutely. You know, and I, it is our nature. I think that we are wired for connection. It, it mm. is part of our humanity. In fact, the South Africans have a word, umbutu which means I am who I am because of who we all are. It's like we cannot be humans without other humans. We cannot be humans and not be connected to one another. It is our common humanity. It is that connection that really makes us human. Yeah. Abraham, you probably know this, I'm sure, Abraham Maslow, one of the great, philosophers and of the 20th century, he talked about this uh, hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. And after you get through the basic things of safety, food, water, shelter, you know, being able to breathe, once you get through those, the next level is belonging. Yes. And belonging comes even before self-actualization yes. or you know, being, you know, super conscious or enlightened, that belonging category is where so many people, what what causes people to commit tragic things of not yes. feeling belong, not feel, feeling like I'm bullied, feeling like I'm not part of the group in schools. And that's that just the value. And value. So from belonging. I think I think this idea of belonging was also a key motivator for us as we started thinking about this. I I love that. You know, one of the things um, I hear from people very frequently is that they grew up feeling that they didn't fit in Hmm. or they grew up feeling that they didn't belong. Yes. I think we all, every single human being, myself included, uh, somewhere in the depth of our being has this little this little seed of a thought or a belief. I don't fit here. I don't belong here. I I know I, you know, I, I talk about this in my book. 
It's like I looked around in my family and I, I, I asked myself, who are these people and how did I get here? Because I don't belong here. These are not my people, Mm. my family, Mm. my mom and dad and my two brothers. These are not my people. And I mean, I love them, all of that, but this was not my soul. You know, I didn't feel the soul connection that, you know, went in my younger years now, as I've grown older and I've, you know, both my parents are, and my, one of my brothers is no longer here. Mm. Um, I feel like they belong to me and I belong to them more than we ever did. (laughs) I I feel more connected and more present with them actually more in their absence than I did in their presence. Interesting. That, that, that's so interesting, Judith, because I think I, you know, it's interesting. I, as, as the youngest of three kids and in a Jewish family, you know, all people in your face all the time. Right. So there's always a, there's always a group of someone somewhere. Like it's never, it's rarely the one-on-one. There's always a, there's always a group mm-hmm. and the group always has an opinion about everything. <laughs> and Judith is really completely relating to this. Can, nice, nice Jewish girl marries nice Baptist boy. And we were married by an Indian chief by the chief of the Chickahominy tribe. Oh, so, what you know, a story. Under under a hoopah that we bought in Mexico. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, wait, on the beach by two generations who completed it the week before I bought it. Right. So, you know, yeah. Story. My, my, my point, though, to that is interesting. I think what, I, what I've really taken away from all of this, and again, you know, Ken and I have been doing our personal development work and our leadership work over the last probably 15 years, you know, and, um, and so when I look at the last probably six or seven, as all of this work starts to come to life, right? The belonging piece is interesting, and there's a huge recognition for me in that, it was really, that was the first time I understood. It was about how I was feeling inside that was impacting how I was showing up outside. Mm. And that while I didn't feel like I belonged in this, because I was the youngest of 10 grandchildren, very close to my grandmother, very close to my parents. And my cousins, albeit great, wanted me kind of around, but not really all the way in the room, right? Because I was the youngest. So that sense of not feeling belonging. And so what I learned Really in recent years, what that was about was this whole connection to myself. I wasn't comfortable being alone, but I was alone a lot. I wasn't, you know, all those pieces. Now I look at that and I think, wow, we really coach on it's an inside out job. And what we bring is how we're feeling, which is also where the rhythm piece comes in, right? So if you're feeling out of sorts, out of sync, and you're in that space, then you're never going to feel like you belong. It doesn't matter, right? right? So it's creating that. And I think for us too, the notion of we're all raised and taught daily how to treat other people, be kind to others, listen to other people. You know, all of those pieces. I don't recall my parents who were amazing humans ever saying, be kind to yourself. Like yourself. Yeah. Be gentle with yourself. Yeah. And that's part of the work we do now is because we've all filled our self-doubt suitcase and all the traumas and dramas that we come to this place of being in relationship with ourselves first. And that's a big part of the book, right? And the drive of the book and just the ours is that this first is about us. 
be respectful to ourselves, be responsible to and for ourselves, reframe, look at it from another perspective because no just means new opportunities, right? And from that, we rise in our resilience. But we can't be for others if we aren't doing that for ourselves first and belonging and self. So is this what you are referring to or thinking about when you talk about evolving our human relationship story? What do you see is the evolutionary process going forward for human relationships? Well, here here's the thing that relationships once you once you become aware of it and understand that your relationships are central in all our lives the pro, the the situation is that we take them for granted we start we take things for granted so much so our goal is to try to bring not that we know all the answers have all the answers but to shine a light on the possibility that hey relationships are important it's what governs our lives, and we can get to work on them and not take them for granted anymore. So uh, there's, what, 8 billion people on the planet? Yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. 8 billion people. 175 billion people came before us. You know, um, I didn't count them all, but that's what I, what I understand. So 175 billion people have been on this planet before us. What did they learn? What did they grow? How did they evolve? We can see how we've evolved technologically. We can see how we evolved socially. We can see all of those evolvements. But have we evolved our relationships? Have we understood that being aware and present to someone next to you, being connected to someone on the other side of the world, is that's the evolution that we still get to still get to go through. We get mm-hmm. to understand that we are connected everywhere and that everything we have responsibility in it. You know, we talk about that in the R factor. One of the four R's is responsibility that you can't control everything, but you have responsibility on how you respond. You have responsibility on what you bring to it. So all of those pieces, I, we just feel like that this is the evolution. Maybe we're here to evolve. Maybe we're here to learn and evolve. We got rid of, of uh, what was it, appendix, right? Don't need those anymore. Kind of evolved out of that. So physiologically, we're evolving. The humans are. But are we evolving in this deeper understanding of the importance of a relationship and it's a relationship with not just with people it's a relationship with things with time with money with the earth with the planet with the planet planet, for heaven's sakes i was i wrote this song once actually i'm still writing i haven't finished it but i wrote this song that every day when i get up the sun comes out the grass is growing the trees are swaying in the breeze the ocean's rolling and I didn't have to do anything. It was just there for me. I didn't yeah. have the, the universe asked nothing of me and provides all of this. And so being in relationship, just being in relationship with mm. the planet mm. is, uh, is important for all of us. I mean, when you think about that too, you know, the universe, the universe works for free and asks nothing of us. And we take. We take, we take, we take, and we take, right? So when you think about that in terms of even business relationships, personal relationships, you know, our responsibility in that, I think the other, the the evolution piece is also that 
the corporate community really identifying in a different way the importance of the human culture of business. It's why we, it's literally why we say we are all connected as humans first. And that's where the bottom line begins. Because from a corporate perspective, from a not for profit perspective, from a, a teams at home perspective, understanding that that is who we are first as a humanity. And from that place, looking at social justice, looking at where we want to be spending our money, looking at what we're creating for the world. Teams in the corporate space are struggling right now. They're struggling. They're struggling with belonging. They're struggling with hybrid. So yes, so our perspective on the evolving is that we are ever evolving and the commitment now and our, our goal is to reach millions of people to be able to support them creating, if nothing else, one more meaningful connection in their life every month of the year. Think about that. If every person on the planet took one, one specific relationship, one month a year, right? And went through and evolved that relationship. What would business look like? What would our planet look like? Wouldn't there be more recycling? What would relationships look like if people really worked on it in that way? No, that, if, anyway, if, so, even yeah. if we could, the one relationship, even if we could get the awareness and the noticing and the understanding that one relationship you could improve, we'll change everything. It's with ourselves. It's our own relationship. It's a relationship with who I am. Am I comfortable in my skin? Do I beat myself up or do I give myself grace? So that relationship with ourselves is probably the first place to start. You know, yeah, I think that's so true, 100%. And um, then there's the ripple effect. Mm. You know, and one, one of the things that I talk about with leadership groups is about each person becoming a billionaire. And by that, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about, you know, how much money you have in the bank. I'm talking about making a significant, impactful difference in the lives of a billion people. Mm. And in that way, becoming a billionaire. And it and it doesn't require that we directly personally connect with a billion people. But what you just said, one relationship at a time, one human being at a time and the ripple effect of that. So if you think about, you know, for you guys, the ripple effect of everyone who reads your book, the ripple effect of everyone who hears you speak, of everyone who watched your TED talk, of everyone that you coach, of every corporation that you present to, of every team that you build and how that spreads out, you will be impacting a million lives like that mm. in a heartbeat because it doesn't mean that you personally go to a million different people, but that you touch people through other people. That's connection. You know, those are exactly. the, the threads. Those are the things that connect us. I'm also thinking you, about you have impacted, I just acknowledge you, you've impacted millions and millions of people with your ripple. I think effect. you're already into your billions. I'm pretty, I'm pretty so. sure you are. I, I think, think you're so. into your billions. And guess what? Guess what? You're not done yet. <laughs> I'm not. Apparently I'm not. I just keep going. I'm like the I'm like the energizer bunny or something like that. You know, I just as long as I 
you know, have the fire. So let me just say in terms of fire, I'm an Aries moon Hmm. and Aries is a fire sign. Um, Aries is also the, uh, the pioneer archetype. Then on top of that, I'm a double Aquarian. I don't know if any of this makes any sense to you guys at all. A little bit. Well, so I'm an Aquarian sun and Aquarian rising sign. Aquarius is like the, it's the sign of transformation. I'm a double one with Mm. an Aries moon. So I'm a pioneer slash warrior. Uh, Aries is also the warrior. I'm a warrior for transformation. That is my soul blueprint. I came in to be that. So it's like, you know, I know I'm choosing it. And it shows me. So talk about relationship. Really? I am so tight in this relationship. Yeah. And I'm not the only one. I'm not saying that I'm the only one. Just like anyone, you guys included, who are representative of a passion, of a calling, of a purpose, of a mission. You know, you've been given an assignment and you're on assignment. And I feel that I'm on assignment and I'm my assignment isn't finished yet. I, I, I love that. And, and it is, and Judith, I, I don't, I don't know if you, uh, you, I know you don't remember this, but, um, you know, so you had also done some work, um, with my sister, Jet. And oh, I, of course yeah, I remember her. Jet. Yes. So, so it's interesting because, you know, as, as a family, as a family, very, you know, very connected, very tight. You know, what's interesting to me over the years is that, um, you know, we all get raised by the same parents, but somehow we all turn out differently. Yes. <laughs> like, wait, how does that, how does that work? But interesting for me and, and all this is that, and, and Jet and I said the same thing. When you first came into the room and you were training us, I could, and I, I'm very intuitive in this way. So I could feel the presence of my mother entering the room, which was so unbelievable. Cause it was at a really interesting time for me. And, um, and when you talk about being, you know, a warrior and being the pioneer, that, that is how we all know and see you. That is, that is. And there is this safety strength in all of that, that isn't always knowing and understanding. And we appreciate that. And, and I hope that you can hear the impact. Talk about the ripple and the impact of that. I hear you every day. Sawabona, you know, the, the other things that we have really felt from you, not just heard from you. And I think that's part of really being in relationship. Like we talk about being in relationship to and being in relationship with. Yeah. Say, say more about that for our listeners. Yeah. So this is, this is a big one for us because one of the things, again, over the years, our work has been relationship marketing based. We've done work with all different types of corporate clients to help them build their relationships. And, um, and what we started to recognize both in the corporate setting and in the, in the not-for-profit setting is that things were getting very mechanical. Right. And so instead of really building this connection that offers an exchange when we're with in relationship with, we found that there was so much going on where people were actually in relationship to. And the difference is when you're in relationship to something or someone, there is no exchange. It's one sided. Right. You're talking, you're hitting the wall, you're communicating, 
on your own terms and level, but is there really an open, a respect, a responsibility, an exchange going on and an opportunity for real possibilities when you're talking to something versus being in relationship with something or someone? And so we found amazingly with some of the clients we were working with, when we shifted that language and said, what would it look like if you were actually in relationship with your customers versus in relationship to your customers? Now communication changed, how they were, what they were sending out to them, how their teams were reaching out to them, what they were asking in the request back from how to support their clients. Really interesting. So that was sort of the baseline premise of how we came to the to and with. And it was a big discovery for us because even, you know, our, our work has been with, you know, villages and families up to, you know, the White House and, and Popes and Olympians. And I had an experience with um, the Lindsey Vaughn Foundation. I do some some strategic advising with them. And one of the things that has been most powerful in watching Lindsay Vaughn, who is world-class snow skier, was to watch her resilience over the years and to see her go through divorce, injury after injury yes. after injury after injury, people saying Lindsay Vaughn is done, yeah. being on the world stage for all of this to happen in, on, on, on the global stage and to have no privacy in it. And the ability for her to navigate being in relationship with all of that, feeling the feels, allowing herself the space, pulling herself up, allowing support from other people, recognizing that if she was not in relationship to the ski mountain, if she was, that's, that's the difference. If she in being in relationship to the ski mountain versus being in relationship with the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to be connected to that, making her way down, going through life with everything. It, it is a remarkable story in being in relationship with and trusting that that's what it takes to be truly connected to your life and to other people. I'm also, yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm also hearing, um, the rhythm of dance. When you talk about in relationship with dancing with the mountain, (laughs) Mm, exactly right. Dancing, dancing with, dancing with life, really being in relationship with. Yeah. So um, I'm curious as I as I read the book, it's written as an allegory with your two characters, uh, Mindy and Rich. And as I'm reading about Mindy and Rich. I'm asking myself, hmm, I wonder if there are some echoes here of Maris and Ken. <laughs> I don't this, know what you're, I can't imagine what you're asking. <laughs> are we really reading the Maris and Ken story here or a, some iteration of it? I think there are, you know, as writers, and you know this, as writers, we can't, we don't write anything without putting something of ourselves into it. So, yeah, there are touches here and there of experiences we have experienced. I would say we've experienced everything that Mindy and Rich experienced. Yeah. When you when you agree? Yeah. Everything that they've experienced in the book, we've personally experienced it. So we felt that that was a basis for us to write a story about two people. It's not our life story. It's not our story, but we have experienced and at one point in time, 
I would just say, I was a stockbroker and I was a songwriter. So, yes, yes. Been, so there are pieces of this that, at the same time. Yeah, at the same time. It's always <laughs> I, I at the same time. So, I kind of thought <laughs> so. Um, and were you so, a concert promoter and producer, Maris? Uh, no, I, I wasn't, but, I, but I've been doing work in the entertainment industry on and off for years. And because Ken and I have a background being global executive event producers and television producers as well. We, you know, that obviously came from that experience. Um, I have, yes, produced a number of large concerts and large scale, Ken and I together and separately. And so, yes. That's how we get to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. Including <laughs> Super Bowl, Super Bowl half times. Um, you have produced Super Bowl half times? Two of those. Um, this was just prior to Michael Jackson, when Michael Jackson did his Super Bowl halftime, and that when everything changed, then everything changed. It was all they were looking for, for major big stars. So, but uh, yes, Super Bowl halftimes. Um, Maris did the Olympic torch relay. Um, we produced a number of, of um, portions of papal visits. Papal visits. Um, yeah. So it's. I mean, it's. Our, so, so, yes, we, so, so we've experienced, we understand that world yes. and yeah. we have never been promoters. So promoters and producers are two different things. Promoters, you know, get the, do all the thing and collect the money and do all that. We've always been the side of producing it and creating the content, creating the content. What, With, what's interesting though about all of that is that literally when we talk about the book, Literally, the relationship piece of this, Ken and I have always been in the relationship business, always. My my mom was an advocate and a clinical social worker, so that ran in my house, you know, from the from the, the mental mental health community and the importance of that. I mean, the going to rallies and doing all that. But in this work that we've done over the years, what we recognized early on is that because very often people would come to us and say, "Oh, we have an idea for you know a big a big historic commemoration." Okay, great. And we have this much money and we want to do a lot of events. Our first question always is, why? Why is an event what you want to do? So somebody always in their mind wants to create a spectacle. And that's all great, but that is a moment in time. Mm -hmm. so our, our leadership work in all of this has always been know your why. And in the end, what is it that you are looking for people to feel or create or what is the call to action? Because in the end, an event is wonderful. A moment in time is wonderful. But if it hasn't created a feeling, mm -hmm. an opportunity to connect and engage, then it's only just that. It's only it's a moment nice. of time. So our work has always been centered around creating connection and meaning that lasts long beyond the moment that might have occurred. And that's, that's how our lives have been. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Ken. I was just going to say one, one little incident of that, not little incident, but we were honored to be hired as the um, contracted as the executive producers for America's 400th anniversary, which was Jamestown, Virginia. So the, in 1607, the ships landed in Jamestown and it's been, that was the beginning of, of, uh, of the United States in many different ways. So we were hired as executive producers. So the final event, we decided that 1607, okay, 400 years. How can we play? So we created a, a, a choral group of 1607 voices. And we created an orchestra of 400 
young people from all over the country combined with two Virginia's two premier professional um, symphony orchestras. So we had a stage with 400 musicians, huge stage. We had 1,607 voices surrounding, and they were all performing together. And the president came to speak. The president came to speak, and he spoke. And when he was ready to leave the stage, he turned around, and he said to his wife, okay, let's go. And then the conductor looked down at the president, and the president looked up, and the president got up on the platform and started conducting these 400, uh, this orchestra, who were playing Stars and Stripes. Beautifully, by the way. Who were playing Stars and Stripes. Was that George Bush in 2007? Yes, it was. It was George Bush. And um, He had such fun. It was just such a fun So everything we did was this moment. We didn't know that this moment would happen, but the next day, the the organization of Jamestown and and got their hugest promotion because where was the president yesterday? What did he do? What did he speak about? And what did he, you know? So our, we have always worked on events and producing is how can we craft the possibility for magic to happen in some moment? Oh, I love it. Maris, you should tell the story of with the Pope. No, it's fine. <laughs> oh, no, you're not? <laughs> no, no. No, you're not going to tell the Pope? No, no yeah, quickly. You can tell it. Tell it quickly. It's a beautiful story. You mean the one from, from the... John Paul and the... John the, Paul, Tony. yeah. Um, okay. So when Pope John Paul came to the United States, um, I mean, remarkable human and, you know, nice Jewish girl. is <laughs> Yeah. So let, let, let's be clear. And, um, so yeah, I was on the team in Los Angeles. And when the Pope came to the United States, one of the ideas was that he would actually be in community with young people from all over the country. And how would we do that? So the idea was that we would satellite to seven cities. He would be based in Los Angeles at Universal Studios. He would be surrounded with young people and that we would then from satellite locations bring in moments of young people contributing liturgical gifts to the Pope. And, uh, so sort of two, you know, kind of moments in time. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to audition people in LA and there was a big thing about, you know, who, obviously, you know, who, who would the contributors be from Los Angeles? So we interviewed hundreds of people and, um, and auditioned hundreds of people. And it was the last person that we saw that we just fell in love with. And he had such this passionate heart. Fast forward to the event. The, um, as we were planning for this event, one of the things we were doing to bring this person up out of the ground, kind of on the ground level to bring him up with his music was to raise him up on this kind of scissor lift. And, um, the idea from the structure of the, um, organizers, they were a little worried about the Pope stepping off the platform. And so they wanted to be sure that this person was close enough, but that he would not, they did not want him stepping off the platform because that would be dangerous for him. Okay. Yes. Got it. Long story short, after the power had gone out as the Pope was landing in this environment, everybody is freaking out thinking, okay, there's no way. And I'm standing, I'm standing stage right going, you know what? This is the Pope. I know I'm a Jewish kid, but there is no way, (laughs) there's no way God's going to let this happen because we've got relationships to heal. We have young people in the room. We've got the Pope. It's happening. Of course, a minute later, as the Pope walks into his holding room, the power comes back on, thank God, because, you know, they're not sure if they're going to hold him in the car, bring him in or what they're going to do. And he walks out to the stage 
and this incredible experience ensues and he's sitting in his seat and it's a beautiful moment and we're hearing from Colorado and all these other places and it comes to the moment of LA and we're sitting there and this music starts to begin with this incredible young man who has no arms and who was playing guitar with his feet. Oh my gosh. And he wanted, he wanted for years to oh. become a priest, but because he couldn't offer the Holy Sacrament, oh. he said he could not. So he became a music minister and he had never, he'd been a Catholic all his life. This was important to him. This was the last person we saw. So the amazing thing is he starts to play. I have chills as I think about it. He starts to play and the Holy Father hears him and the Holy Father steps off of his seat, down the steps, down the riser, down where everybody didn't want him to go. And up from this space comes this amazing human and the voice of an angel. And the Holy Father reaches up to him. And there's this incredible moment of just, this is what life gets to be. This is what happens when you just allow being in relationship and being in connection, right? It was the most powerful connection to this day. One of my most memorable gifted experiences of my life to be able to. I've got chills. That's such a beautiful story, Maris. Yeah. It was incredible. Thank you, Ken, for, for egging her on to share. Yes, exactly. I love that story. So Maris, I also understand that in addition to all the other things that you and Ken are doing, You have a workshop coming up soon. Tell us about that workshop, Maris. Actually, it begins on April 19th, right? So it's going to be four Wednesdays. Okay. Beginning beginning April 19th. And um, what we love about this workshop, it's the R Factor, Mastering Connected Relationships with Relationship Rhythms. So we really work with people to identify these four key rhythms and to share with them these four rhythms, respect, responsibility, reframing, and resilience. And over the course of four weeks, individuals who participate, teams participate, couples participate, it's really an exploration into how are your relationships working, right? Because we know we are the one relationship we can't leave home without. So we work with individuals, teams, and um, and, and couples on really identifying their core issues around what are the rhythms in their relationships and how can they work through being more confident, having more loving relationships, being more connected, having more prosperous relationships at work. And we do this by really fun, interactive activities, um, engagement with each other. It's an intimate group. People get to be accountable to each other. And it's really about working through how you're showing up and how better to lead universal, prosperous, and thriving lives. Wow, it sounds amazing. So it, it it starts on April 19th. Can you give a, how can listeners, if they're interested in learning more and or registering, how can they do that? So I know you'll be including this in the show notes as well, because we also have a special um, promotion code um, for special pricing for your audience. And um, so they can actually get to us by coming to Siegel Leadership Global, S-E-G-A-L, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P, global, G-L-O-B-A-L.com. And once they get to that site, they can see that there's a link there that talks about Mastering Connected Relationships Workshop. They can click on it, and they can just register right there. And we'll offer the promo code, which is BEYOND, just for your listeners. And that's a $350 off 
um, special pricing. So the pricing actually is um, just three forty-seven for folks, and that's for your community and your listeners. Oh, beautiful listeners! Did you catch that? I will for sure leave a link in the show notes. Don't forget that promo code beyond, so you get that special price just for this audience. You also have your book available on Amazon and on your website at SiegelGlobalLeadership.com. And I understand you have something else. We do. So Ken and I do a, a practice every morning called our gratitude practice. It's the four G's and we wake up in the morning and we say good morning. And then we do our grounding, which is our meditation. And then we say what we're grateful for, what's coming up during the day, what we're grateful for waking up, all the things coming up. And then we offer a generosity. How will we be generous today? So we offer that. So we actually have a four G's gratitude practice guide that if you go to Siegel leadership global, you'll be able to click a button there that says, please share the guide, give us your email and we'll be happy to email it to people. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us today on the new beyond. I know that as we speak, you are in Los Angeles speaking at the new life expo. Am I correct? Actually, at the Best You Expo, and that's happening this weekend. Yeah, the Best You Expo, and it's Bernardo Moya. It's been a number of years. This is the first time it's back in a number of years. So we're excited to participate with all kinds of incredible leadership in the personal development space. We're thrilled. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you all, listeners, for being here. Until next time, we'll see you out here in the new beyond. Many blessings. Hey, Beyond Squad listeners, before we go, did you know that I recently released the audiobook version of my best-selling book, Beyond the Box, Lean Out, Break Free, Rise Up? Yes, it's available on my website, judithrich.com forward slash bookstore. Also, in the bookstore are the second edition ebook versions of my book, now available in both English and Spanish. Just go to my website, judithrich.com forward slash bookstore to purchase your copies. Also available for purchase is my legacy meditation audio series available at judithrich.com forward slash meditations. And lastly, before we go, just a reminder that as a fan of this podcast, you're invited to join our private Facebook group and become part of this community. As a member of the Beyond Squad, my term of endearment for all of you who listen to this podcast, you'll be part of our regular engagement opportunities, which include Facebook Lives and thought-provoking conversations that invite deep inquiries into topics of interest in the new beyond. On occasion, I'll be live-streaming content not available here on the podcast. I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can join. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I'll see you next time out here in the new beyond. Many blessings. Mm-hmm.